Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you'll be uplifted, empowered and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ram Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. so far well i've been enjoying it uh, <laughs> anybody been enjoying this series come on well at our ramp communities if you've not if you're not in a ramp community space that's our home groups those are our house churches which meet throughout manchester midweek i really want to encourage you to do that we dive into the messages that are given on sunday mornings in those spaces and i don't know about you but sunday morning is just not enough and it's 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 okay. It's good. It's necessary to hear to hear the word of God preached or proclaimed or taught to us. But I've got to do the next step of figuring out how that truth, how that principle, how that wisdom then gets into my life, in my unique situation, in my unique workplace, in my unique family. And I, that's what communities are about. Uh, they're 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 about journeying with each other, life on life, relationship stuff. And now help me, help me understand how this truth looks like when it's implemented into my life. Because I don't just want to hear something. I want to be transformed by what I'm hearing. I want to be changed. I want to be different next year than I am today. And that, that, that's what communities are about. If you've yet to sign up, I want to encourage you to do that. I give you permission to do that while I'm preaching. So just break out the phone, um, go to our website, and you can see the communities. Uh, right there. If you've yet to find where, one where you feel like you fit, try it. Uh, because you're going to find. I believe just like I believe there's a church for everybody in in our city. If Ramp Church isn't the spot for you, there is a church family for you somewhere. Um, all churches are needed because there's different types of people for different types of churches, right? And it's the same way with communities. Uh, there, if 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 you didn't gel with one, we'll go to another one. Each of them kind of have their own vibe. But there is a community space for you because this, this message is meant to be lived in community. But we have, we've been talking about, this is our, uh, the current series we're in, which we call Chapters, is right here. Uh, it's, we call it A Great Commitment to the Great, and the great Commission. And we didn't, we didn't know when, when we moved into this chapter at Ramp Church how long we'd be in it. But it's been nine months as we've kind of just been on the first <laughs> Of this, we've been a few weeks on the great commitment, and now we've just been hung up on uh, the great commandment ever since. Someday we'll move on to the great commission, Ramp Church. But God has for us, He's doing something in our community, and I'd love to get an amen if you feel this is true. In the area of relationships, in the area of what it means to actually love well, to be okay with being known and knowing others, to, to, to build in, in how to give the relational new to make healthy relationships and receive those to start from the starting place of realizing I need others others need me that's a God-built aspect of my life and then to lean into that and then to keep going when it gets tough and when there's misunderstanding and when there's even pain and I've loved the past several weeks and I've hated the past several weeks can I get a witness last week James allowed me to preach and it was Gloriously painful. 
if, for, uh, if you heard that message, very, very challenging. I love having challenging teachers and preachers in my life. Um, but this week, I'm going to continue on this theme um, of the Great Commandments. And the beautiful thing about the Great Commandments is it helps simplify our Christian life. So Jesus said it this way in Matthew 22. He said this. Um, he was asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, Jesus was, he's, he is a Jew, and so this question was referring to the 613 commandments that are in the, the Old Testament. Now, I know you were told there's just 10. There aren't. There's 613, and are like the greatest hits. But six, 613, and Jesus, out of 613, decides to simplify this God-following journey with two things. Now, the question was, what's the greatest? So how do you sum up 613 and 1? And Jesus throws in a bonus, even though they didn't ask for it. And this is, this is how Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He goes on, And the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. I kind of wish he just stopped at the first one. Because it's easy to love a perfect God. It's easy to love a God that's not lacking in wisdom or insight. It's easy to love a God who in, in, has integrity from the inside all the way out. It's easy to love a God who every time I come to, to him, he will receive me. It's easy to love a God we see Jesus being, it's, it's easy to love that God. But he asked me to love my neighbor. Now, as you get people involved in my life, things aren't easy anymore, are they? And this is why we're diving into this topic and we, we spent so much, is because loving your neighbor is easy to say, but it's hard to live. And I'm always taken back by how much instruction in the New Testament is given to how you treat one another. And a light bulb went off not too long ago. I realized, wait a second, the reason there's so much teaching on this is not because the New Testament writers are obsessed with how you act. The, the reason they're speaking so much into this is because they take it for granted that we're in each other's lives. In each other's lives deep. To the point that my idiosyncrasies and unique characteristics and things that annoy other people, that you see those. And they rub against your idiosyncrasies and your unique... And, and then we have to work through those elements, right? They take it for granted. They didn't live in the individualistic culture that we find ourselves in today, where I'm a self-made man and my success is built on my own two feet and, um, and I don't really need anybody and that's a valued thing in our culture. They didn't live in that kind of a culture. They live in a, in, in a culture that's based around community. It was taken for granted you're going to live life with one another and that means you've got to know how to treat one another. So the reason we're spending so long on this topic is because, just be frank, we need it. We need it. You need it. I need it. But the second more hopeful reason is this. You and I can become better at doing relationships. No matter your starting point. No matter your past or the, 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 the incredible or, the, or maybe the, the horrible family life that you had growing up. It doesn't matter your starting point. You can, you can advance beyond that starting point. That's the hope of the gospel. 
That's the hope of Jesus in relationships, is you and I can grow in this. So we need it, and we can grow in this. So there's, there's ultimately two questions that frame the greatest commandment. This is the first one right here. How am I doing with God? That's a good question for you today. If, if you leave with no other question today, maybe you've never even asked that, that's a good place to start. The Bible explains that Jesus is the light, John chapter 1, the light and the light of the world. So it doesn't matter how much you try and retool your relationships, if you're not connected to the source of life, then you're not going to flow from the place of life and produce life. Does that make sense? That's then in John chapter 3, Jesus would say, what's born of flesh, it just creates flesh, but what's born of spirit creates spirit. So when you're connected to life, you create more life. So that's the first question of the Great Commandment. The second question is this. How am I doing with the people in my life? That's where we're hanging out right now in the series. How am, I, how am I doing? How am I doing with the people in my life? How am I with, compared to last year, the year before? This is, where, this is a long-term game here, right? This is, a, this is a marathon, a sprint. How am I doing? Have I advanced any, even in this series? Or has it just been something I've listened to on, on the weekends and gone home and just lived life the same? How am I doing with the people in my life? How am I doing with God? And just in case you're wondering, is all this relationship teaching really necessary? Maybe you're a get-it-done person. Maybe you're someone who's like, you know what? People, they're all tasks. That's my happy place. I just want to get stuff done. Maybe you're a business owner and the bottom line is really important for you. That's cool. I mean, we need, we need every type of thinker. In our society. Well, but our relationships, are they, do we really need to spend this much time? I mean, this is, this is all pretty touchy-feely. Well, a Harvard University study on adult development, it's considered to be the, the most extensive study ever done on the topic. It started in 1938 and tracked the lives of 724 people for 75 years. Did you catch that? Good relationships are the key factor for long-lasting happiness. So whatever you're in business for, or whatever you're accomplishing for, I'm, I'm guessing there's, there's a desire for satisfaction or fulfillment or happiness. Well, well we, we have research to, to back this up. This is the central principle behind it. Good social relationships, this is what research, research tells us, are the most consistent predictor of a happy. Good social relationships are the most consistent predictor of a happy life. I don't know about you, but I'd love to have a happy life. It goes beyond that, though. It goes beyond just your individual happiness. And I love what Olga Kazan says. She's a writer for The Atlantic. This is how she summates some of this research. When we feel bad, the goal is just to feel good again. So maybe you're in a place where you're in personal turmoil. Well, it's, it's almost like in all of a sudden, it's the goal of my life in that season. It's just to feel, I just want to feel good. I just want relief. But once you find that relief for yourself, it moves beyond just you. But when we feel happy, we're more likely to sacrifice some of the comforts of old, worn-in relationships in order to achieve long-term goals. Jesus said it like this in John 13. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, social relationships start maybe with our own happiness and our own fulfillment. 
But when you have that, it moves beyond that. Your relationships become a missional tool to bring others to the knowledge of Jesus. So yes, it's about my individual, what's happening to me. Yes, I want to feel relief and satisfaction in my life. But also, when we start to love each other the way Jesus has called us to, we start to reflect the God to a world who can't see him any other way. You hearing me, Ramp Church? So this is about you, this is about me, but it's about way more than that. It's about this city, it's about this region, it's about this nation. So today, I want to dive deeper into relationships. And this to undergird all your thinking about our relational talks. And it's, it's this next, healthy relationships are made, not found. Healthy relationships are made, not found. You go, well, Joe, you, you don't understand. I, I mean, I just don't have relationships that click. I haven't found people where I share, you know, common interests. Or, you know, back when I was in university, it just, it just seemed like I just got with people so well. There was, you know, I had these roommates and just life together. And it was just, oh, it was amazing since then. I haven't really, well, I just want to tell you really genuine, healthy relationships, they're, made, they're cultivated. They're not discovered. You don't, you don't just find them. It's like I've been waiting around for this most healthy relationship I've ever found. You've just been here all along in Manchester. No. You, you, you know, and you know who you start with? The person next to you. Look to look at the person next to you. Say, it starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with you. That's it. Starts starts with them. You, 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 you find them, and then you make health out of that situation. And like a gardener with a garden, the, the results of that garden are, it's not just about the ingredients in the garden, it's what, it's what you do to cultivate that garden. Are you with me? All the potential for that garden to thrive are in the plants that are sitting in, in the garden. But it's the job of the gardener to cultivate the potential. It's the same way with relationships in your life. That's why it's essential for you to lean into these spaces because you're not just going to discover great relationships. You're wanting to be married someday. That's the desire of your heart. Some, some are single in here and you're like, no, I want to be single. That's a, that's a blessing from God. It's an incredible way to live life. But some of you are single and you want to be married. If you're in that place, then if you want to have a healthy marriage relationship, you're not just discovering the person. You are, you are committing to cultivate that. In your marriage. Are you tracking with me? So we have to cultivate this. And our faith, the Christian faith, gives us many tools for cultivating relationships. Prayer and fasting. I wish we could teach on each one of these. If, if you don't pray for your relationships that you value in your life, you're missing on, on a whole tool in that relationship. If you're just like living reactively, no, you need to invest in prayer. Pray for, for this person. Pray over that relationship. Praise God's blessing. Pray that he speaks to you. Pray that he gives you insight. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that intensifies the, 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 the effectiveness of our prayers. Worship. You need to invite God and, and, and identify where is God already working in your relationship. Serving. There needs to be that heart of service and generosity to give to the relationships that God has in our life. Communion. Just the meal of, of together receiving from God from the sacrifice of Jesus together. But one, here's what I want to focus on today, and this is what I'm going to teach on today. I'm going to teach on the relational tool of forgiveness. 
forgiveness. So if healthy relationships are made and not found, then we need to be people who understand this foundational principle in our own faith between, between us and God, the forgiveness we receive, but also the forgiveness we give. So let me pray over the word today before we dive in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that life today is not found in the speaker or the preacher, but it is found in the word of God that is eternal. That before the foundations of the world, you saw this moment right here. And you knew that we would be receiving from your word. And I pray, Father, that you minister to hearts and minds today far beyond my ability to speak or communicate. And Father, we open our hearts to you. We want to be changed by your word. In Jesus' name. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. Forgiveness. You know, part of the part of the one of the things I love the most about the Bible is it makes the most sense to me in understanding the human condition. It's yes, yes, there's the God element. I've had an encounter with God. That's a, that's a that is a huge, massively significant. But for the for the sake of this this message, the Bible for me, it helps unpack who we are as humans, how we got here, what's wrong, what needs to be righted. And one of the things that's obvious about that story is we are broken people. We've, we've been hurt, we're broken. And then what, ha- what, I, what I do with that brokenness is I hurt other people. That makes sense. And the brokenness and hurt is then perpetuated. And God realizes this human condition, and instead of just letting us destroy ourselves... He decides to come not as some huge exterior being who's demanding people live right, but he actually comes as a human. This is the story of of the Bible, you realize. Jesus comes and he enters into our brokenness, the shortcomings of humanity, but because, because of the power of God inside of him, he never succumbs to the brokenness that we live in. And then he gives his life for our brokenness. Then he receives the sin of humanity and his body is broken for our brokenness. So then we receive his wholeness. That's the story of the gospel. If you've never entered into that story, today is a great day for you to do that. There's going to be time for us to pray together later. But at the center of this story means for me to enter into the wholeness that God's provided, I've got to go through something called Forgiveness. There's got to be a time where the brokenness that I've inflicted on the world around me, I've got to own that brokenness and realize it was me that did that. And then I enter through that that recognition then positions me to realize I need something beyond me to fix this brokenness. If you've yet to get there, maybe that's the journey you're on. And if you're not a person of faith, if you're just exploring faith, I'm so glad you're here. I feel like this is the best place on a Sunday to explore faith is with a people of faith. But maybe maybe you're still trying to figure the, this whole story thing out. Well, the first step is to recognize there is a brokenness here. And if you're wondering if you if you do have brokenness, just ask people who know you the best. They're going to know. They're going to be able to point it out. What's the top three most broken areas of my life? They, I promise they won't have to take 30 minutes. <laughs> Be like, I, I can't tell you how many years I've been waiting for you to ask me that question. <laughs> They're going to know it. They're going to know your shortcomings. They're going to know your flaws. They're, the only person who's not willing to admit those is you. 
You're hiding those things. So this beautiful, this beautiful realm or space of safety happens when Jesus enters our story. Because he's not, he's not inviting us to check the brokenness at the door and we come and act like everything's okay. He wants us to bring all of that baggage into his presence. So if today, if you checked your stuff at the door, uh, you're home and even during my message, just go up and get it and bring it back to your seat. Because honesty is the only way to come to God. That's it. You've got to come to him recognizing, here's who I am. Here's the flaws. Here's the brokenness I've caused. I'm not saying there's not been great stuff through your life. There has been great stuff. But, but that, that's evidence that, that the God nature is in you. Okay. But what I am doing is going, let's not, let's not ignore the brokenness. So once there's a recognition, now I've got to deal with that. I've got to deal with this brokenness somehow. And I can't do it. That's not honest. I've got to be real about it. But if I'm really, really, really real about it, it's kind of unavoidable. Even my good deeds, like there's, there's, there's something skewed about them. There's a me focus or there's, there's an agenda behind it. Are you with me? So it's like, man, it's kind of unavoidable. So I've got to have something outside of me to help deal with it. This is Jesus. He comes into the situation to repair the shame that our brokenness leaves with us. And then to repair the faults in who we are to lead us into everlasting. We won't fully realize it till eternity, but we're on the journey. You are on the journey, right? Say, I'm on the journey. We're on the journey. together. But we have to enter into forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is when, and it doesn't matter if there's broken trust, a broken heart, a embezzled funds, I mean, whatever it could be. Forgiveness is when you broke it. This is what this is what it said. You broke it, but I'll repair it. You caused an offense, but I'll fix the offense. That's forgiveness. That's what Jesus did for you. You broke it, I'll repair it. This is why Jesus had to be sinless for this whole thing to work. Because otherwise, when he died on the cross, he would be dying for his own sin. But he didn't die for his own sin. Jesus died for my sin, for your sin. He died to repair the brokenness that we created. You broke it, but I'll repair it. It's saying the innocent one paid. There's a few reasons why we don't forgive. And I want to get into the power of forgiveness here in a bit. But there's a few reasons why we don't forgive. The first reason why we don't forgive is this. We, we often misunderstand forgiveness. We think uh, forgiveness is sometimes minimizing the, the, uh, the offense, but it isn't. It's not minimizing the offense. We think that it's lessening. We do this a lot in church. Um, because we know it's, we, because we like hold things against people to, be, to, to hold unforgiveness towards somebody else, we minimize the effects. So somebody offends us and we're like, oh no, it's, it's all good, it's okay. On the inside we're like dying. It's okay. I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm really okay. I'm really, I've just cried myself to sleep the past five nights, but I'm really, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm past it. Right? We minimize the effects of the offense. But forgiveness is not minimizing the effects. And if there's somebody in your life who's, who's not a believer, maybe they're not even alive anymore. For you to step into forgiveness is not for you to, to, to minimize what they're doing. Actually, I believe forgiveness requires that you look at what's happened honestly. Eyes wide open. I actually think the journey of forgiveness often starts with you seeing elements of the offense that you didn't see before. You realize I've been affected by this deeper than I thought. 
I thought the thing that happened to me when, when I was a child, it, it, it did this to me. But now I'm realizing there are other, uh, there are other uh, elements of the fabric of who I am as a person that this has affected. It's not minimizing. Uh, forgiveness is not minimizing. Actually, it's going into life with eyes. Second, it's not reconciliation. Reconciliation, it takes, that takes two. And you can forgive just you. Did you hear me? Reconciliation takes two. And if you're waiting on reconciliation to step into forgiveness, now you're stepping to the place where you're trying to control someone else's decisions. You can't control their decisions. Reconciliation, it takes two to, to, to tango. I'm not going to tango because you would all leave. But, but forgiveness, it doesn't take two. It's not a two-person dance. It's not a two-person game. It's a one-person game. So it's not reconciliation. You can forgive. Now, you're not going to have reconciliation unless there's been forgiveness. So if there is a willingness, there is a willingness on both parties, you've got to step through forgiveness. But reconciliation is not the same thing as forgiveness. And then third, it's not forgetting what happened. It's not forgetting. So actually sometimes remembering could be helpful in, in, in the space of building wisdom or personal boundaries that are healthy that maybe weren't in place. There's a number of reasons. But it isn't forgiving. Forgiveness is more than these things. What's another reason why we don't forgive? Uh, number two, we don't think it's fair. Oftentimes we don't, we, we don't forgive because, because it's not fair to forgive. Well, you don't understand what they did. You don't understand the depth of the offense against me. It's not, they don't deserve to be forgiven. They, they can't be let off the hook here. They, that can't just go on. What will they do to other people? It's not fair. I love a story. I love and I don't love. This story. Um, Matthew chapter 18. I want to read it. I want to read it quickly because I have a lot to cover today. Matthew chapter 18. Peter came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, how long will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And I, lo I love Peter. Peter. Peter's like has this confidence that sometimes is like misplaced. He just comes to you. So he like knows it's the right answer. And us standing on the outside are like, dude, please don't do this again. Here he goes. Peter's walking to do another one. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And then he throws out this number. As many as seven times? Because that's a lot. This is what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Jesus isn't trying to get you to figure out the math on that and go, okay, let me keep track. What he's trying to say is, let me give you a number so big that, that you'll never have to forgive that many times. This is what Jesus is trying to say. You never stop. You never stop. And then he tells a parable. Jesus says, There's a, the kingdom of heaven is like this. There was a master who had a servant who owed him money. He, he, 10,000 denarii is what the parable says. Now, that's not relevant to currency, of course, but it, if, 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 if you did the the modern day equivalent, it's about five billion dollars, five billion pounds, okay, it's a lot. Jesus is trying to say, a servant owned a master money. And he came to the master and he said to him, there's no possible way I can pay this back. And he was distraught. And Jesus says, the master, who of course represents God in this story, forgives the servant of his debt. Then the servant leaves there 
full of joy for what just happened in his life, and he then finds someone in his life who owes him money. A hundred denarii, Jesus says. And the person seeks mercy for the debt they owe, and the servant refuses to give them mercy. The servant instead calls the authorities, and this person is put in jail. And Jesus, the whole, the whole thing behind this forgiveness thing, is Jesus is trying to say, do you really want to live based on what is fair, or do you want mercy too? Because for me to demand justice for someone else, I'd have to judge myself by the same law. And I don't know about you, but I can't stand by that law. No, forgiveness isn't fair. But I don't want fair either. Jesus is a God of justice. But he's also a God of mercy. And mercy triumphs over justice. It's not fair. Forgiveness is not fair. Number three, we don't think we can. Many of us don't forgive because I just, I literally don't think I can. Part of the fabric of the way I see myself in the world around me, I, I literally don't feel like I can release this. And the first thing I want to say is you can't. Me neither. We can't in our own strength. That's, the gospel is not a self-help program. You realize that. It's, it's, this is not, we're not in Waterstones right now like, like searching, like Stephen Covey. And it's not like that. This is like a life transformation process. It's meant, it's meant to, to be involved in your life in a way you can't do without it. And we are not meant to do this on our own. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. That's what he's calling us to there. Forgiving one another. Because then he says this, Just as God through Christ forgave you. You can't do it on your own. The only people who can give forgiveness are people who have received forgiveness. This is why genuine, deep, lasting forgiveness starts recognizing your own need for forgiveness and receiving it from an eternal source. Only then can you give what you've received. Can I just tell you a bit of my dreams for you, Ramp Church? We're looking ahead to this summer, right? Summer, hopefully some sun. That is a prayer just as much as it is a statement of fact. A prayer, hopefully some time, some time maybe for some of you. What would it look like to go into this summer free from the that you've carried so far? What would it look like for you to step through that? For you to step past this, oh, I can't do it. But, but you actually, to, to, to receive the forgiveness that, that Jesus has for you and then to step into a fresh a fresh place of freedom in your that then when going life sometimes starts to kick in a bit more and work and maybe university for some it, there's just a fresh you're engaging in those spaces in a fresh way that's, that's my prayer this is my prayer for you I've been praying for you today about this ramp church this is what C.S. Lewis says about forgiveness to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you and me. That's what it means.
to be a Christian. So we, we know those are the reasons why we often don't forgive, but what does it mean? But what happens when we forgive? What happens when we forgive? Uh, this is the first thing when we forgive. We take back our story. When we don't forgive, we run the risk of giving control of our lives to the offender. Whether they're still in your life or whether they're a long way away or whether they passed on, your life is often lived in, when you're in unforgiveness in response to that pain or that offense. You're either living in it or I'm reacting to it, everything I'm doing. But forgiveness, it, de it, it, it disconnects you from that and you then own your story again. It's mine to live. It's not lived out of this response, reaction to what someone else did to me. It is lived as my story. I take back my story. And this is the principle. You only go as far as you forgive. You only go as far as you forgive. Do you, can I, do you want me to show you your potential in God or in growth right now? Your potential is limited based on your willingness to forgive. You've just capped yourself when you say, that's as far as I'm going to go. And for some of you, that's, a, that's about a past event. But for, for some of you, that's about an event that's going to happen this afternoon. It's about an interaction with a friend or next week. What, that means it takes a posture as believers, a posture of forgiveness. Where I'm constantly and regularly, I'm posturing myself. Why? Because I don't want to be limited by the things I'm not willing to let go and to give into God's hands. When you forgive, we take back our own. Number two, when we forgive, we invite God in. Forgiveness puts us on God's operating table and gives him permission to help. Forgiveness puts us on God's operating table and gives... Have you ever, wondered, have you ever noticed that part in the Lord's Prayer that many churches around the city today pray today all in unison that says, forgive us as we forgive others? or our sins as we forgive we have sinned against us. Have you ever noticed that? Do we, or do we just read through that or recite through that? In God's kingdom, there's a connection between my willingness to forgive others and, and, and his forgiveness of me. That when I, when I step into that place of forgiveness, it is a big need on invitation for God to get involved in my life. There is a, um, there's a, a beautiful lady in the kingdom who's, who's she's gone home now um, to heaven, but called Elizabeth Elliot. You guys know of Elizabeth Elliot. So she's written over books, um, fam you know, famous uh, writer, but she was married to a missionary um, called Jim Elliot. Have you guys heard of, of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot? Okay. And they served, they were both missionaries, serving in Ecuador. And they had committed to give their lives to serve the tribal peoples of Ecuador and the message of Jesus to them. Now, I know missions work um, in some ways is a lot of un, uh, is a lot of under criticism today, and rightly so for the ways it's been attached to colonialism and some other things. That's a different message. But just because something's been perverted does not mean there's not a pure version of it. Are you with me? And so there is a call on the church to bring the gospel, to bring the message of Jesus to peoples around the world. Yet to hear that message. They, Jim and Elizabeth, had that, that desire in their hearts. So Elizabeth studied languages. She was going to translate the Bible into these tribal languages in Ecuador. And so they, they, had, they had been in Ecuador for a couple years. They had given 
uh, birth to their first child in Ecuador. And when their child was about 10 months old, uh, they were doing supply drops. They were bringing um, things to these tribes in need, one of these tribes in need. And Jim and three of his friends on one of these su supply drops went in, and the tribe murdered all four of, of these guys. Surprising. So immediately, if you're Elizabeth, I mean, there's, there's a few things that are going to happen. The first thing is, I'm going to get ticked off at God. Stop A, right? It's coming. But stop A, I'm getting mad at God. First of all, God, the whole reason I'm here is because I feel like you called me to be here. I feel like the reason I'm in this situation, this volatile situation, is because you told me to be here. I found oftentimes when we can't find a person to blame our source of offense or bitterness on, that's because it's not pointed at a person, it's actually pointed at God. Some of you can hear your unforgiveness is not towards a person. It's sort of high, it's towards something. B, so that would be stop A for me. Stop B would then be the people. Stop B for me is like, okay, we came here, you know, we came here, we're giving, we're giving practice that you need, and this is what's going to happen to us. But through the power of forgiveness, that was not Elizabeth Elliot's response. She actually didn't leave Ecuador. She stayed there with her child. And through continued relationships, she ended up moving in with the tribe who had killed her husband. She spent two years living in the Amazon with this tribe. They ended up translating the Bible into their language. And they went on to see many people in that tribe to Jesus. How is that possible? Forgiveness, that's it. She decided to walk through the doorway of forgiveness. Why? Because you only go as far as you forgive. So she could have held unforgiveness. You know what? She would have been, un she would have been justified. Hold that unforgiveness because that wasn't fair. But she realized I only go as far as my as I forgive, and I want to go beyond this. I don't want to be stuck here for the rest of my life. I want to move beyond this. And forgiveness was the doorway. So how how do we forgive? I hope that's what you're asking by now. I want to talk about that for a few minutes. How do we forgive? Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter six. Luke chapter six. We're going to read verses 27, 28, 32, six. Luke chapter 6. This is some tough stuff. Some tough stuff, but so needed in our walk with Jesus. Luke 6, 27. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but I say to you who hear, I love that. In other words, there's some people who are, who are listening to my words right now, but you're not really hearing. So I'm saying to those who, who hear, love your best friends. Love your parents. Love your neighbor. No. Love your enemies. I mean, he, that could be it. That could literally be all the verse, and I would spend the rest of my life pursuing that with Jesus, right? Holy Spirit, process in me. Give me a heart of love. I'm, I'm still trying to love people who love me, right? I'm still trying to love well my wife and my children, okay? Most days, I'm not sin. To these people that love me. The standard is this, if you're wondering. Love your enemies. Do you know the, the person who you're holding offense towards? God loves them. The person who hurts you. 
Maybe it's rocked the foundation of your life. Maybe, that, I mean, you, you may can trace, you may go, you don't understand the addictions I've had or the rehab I've had to go through, and I can trace it back to that person. Do you, they are loved. It's not fair. I, I know it's not fair. They are loved. Love your enemies. It doesn't stop. Do good to those who hate you. Ah, I wish you could just keep it at a heart level, God. Can I just love them from a distance? You can love from a distance. You can't do good from a distance. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Bless literally means, that literally translates the word bless in this, this text, means speak well of. Speak well of those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If you love those who love you, I love this, what benefit is that to you? This is, this is wild because I'm thinking that all this stuff is just so I can be a good Christian and I can get to heaven someday and whatever else religious you think about this. But Jesus is actually connecting your ability to forgive to the benefit it brings to you. He says this, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? And sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies do, and do good and lend... Expecting uh, nothing... Turn. I don't like this. This is about the time when I close the Bible in my morning reading. I'm like, oh, that's too much for today. And your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High. Why? Because you will look like Him. You will look like Him. This is what it says. Is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. What a call, what a standard, and it can only be done with the help of the Holy Spirit. I, this, is, this is not like a you do this or you're out of the club sort of a thing. No, no, no. This is a you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, but I want to show you the end game here. I want to show you what it means to look like God. We, we pray that, oh, Jesus, I just want to look like you. I just want to be like you, okay? Do good, be merciful to evil people, to those who hate you. Do good to them, lend without expecting anything in return. That is what forgiveness looks like. I remember, this is, this is really impacting for me in my journey, especially my young journey as a minister, as a pastor, um, at our, our founding location of the ramp. Um, it started, it's a very traditional town, very small rural town. And so um, they are, there are deep-seated traditions um, of some faith groups there, some Christian groups that disagreed with the way we did ministry. One of those was they didn't believe in women being in leadership. 
So one of our first youth conferences, this was the early days, there was actually another church that, that picketed our event. I'm not sure why people don't want to be a part of the church. Can't, can't imagine. Um, so they picketed, they picketed our event. So this was the attitude in many ways toward the beginning days of, of the church. It was just very out of the box for what that local community understood for the Christian life to be. Um, but oh, across years, um, our senior leaders there invested in relationships with the city. Um, to the point that they started an annual banquet where they brought in city officials, the entire police department, the entire fire department, and all of our ministry teams would make meals and serve them. And then do and then pray over them, ask them any of their needs. And I, I still remember the first one that happened because people are walking into the building like really like, what is this about? You know, why are we here? But year over year, this happened. And I, I didn't realize this was happening at the time, but I knew, I know now, looking back, that this is what was happening. That our senior leaders, Pastor Karen, Pastor Rick, they decided to invest in doing good toward people that had ill intent towards them. By the time I left Hamilton, I was, even, I was, I was a part of leadership then at, at that point, they were inviting us to be a part of city council meetings. So before they would do city planning, they wanted our input into those situations because they'd seen what had happened. But I think more than anything, it was a transformation by people doing good toward those that, that, had, that had offended them. Does that make sense? That we didn't just love you from a distance. Oh, we just love our city. Isn't it easy? I mean, right now we go, well, just stretch your hands toward Manchester City Center. We love you, Manchester. God has a plan for you. But what does it mean then to step into this doing good? It means even when I'm getting nothing in return, even when I'm getting bad things in return, I have the posture of doing good. That's the posture of Jesus. So how do I forgive? Luke, Luke 6 just, just gave us the nuts and bolts of this. But I just want to make this as simple as possible. How do I forgive? This is how you get As a choice before a feeling, Often, through prayer, with blessing, by good deeds, while receiving my own forgiveness from God. How do you forgive? First of all, it's by choice. There's, you're, you don't find anywhere in the New Testament where it's talking about forgiveness and it goes, forgive when you feel like it. When forgiveness bubbles are just floating around in your heart. I don't know, I just made that up. When you just have forgiveness streaming through your veins and you're like, oh, I just so feel like I've given them. I feel so just really No, forgiveness is a choice. And some days, you've been here before, I've been here before, you have to choose it every other minute. You know what I'm talking about. Where it's, it, you are reminded of it every time you see that photo. Every time you, you, you walk in and you see that piece of furniture. You, all those little triggers. And it comes up in your mind, and what do you do? You choose. You don't wait for the feeling. You choose. I'm choosing forgiveness today. Why? Because I'm a Jesus follower, and this is what it means to follow Jesus. If you're not a Jesus follower in here, I think you're going to you're pull some stuff from here. But I'm speaking to Christians right here. This is, this, is, this is a command for us. This is the lifestyle Jesus has called us into. 
It's a lifestyle of choosing to forgive. How often? I, 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 often. Often as I need to. That's how often do I forgive? Well, as many times as you're fighting with unforgiveness. That's how many times you need to forgive. Then through prayer, you need to be praying for that person. Why? Because your preacher said that it's a thing to do. No, because Jesus said it. Pray for those who persecute you. And what I mean by prayer is not this. God, let them see the truth. God, I pray that on the way to work, they just trip on the, on the pavement. And when they wake up, they realize, oh my goodness, there's a God. I don't know. God, I pray that they have a blowout in their tire on the way to work. No, not those kinds of prayers. Not even Bible prayers that you read in the Psalms. God, break the teeth of my enemy. No. You pray blessing over them. You pray for them as you would pray for your own child. That's how you pray for them. You pray that the goodness and the blessing of God is poured out on their life. Now, do you realize it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance? So repentance is part of, of the goodness of God being experienced in our life. So repentance is part of that. But you're not, playing, you're not praying that they lose. And that's actually a good indicator. Am I fighting with unforgiveness? I'm happy. That's one of two things, envy or unforgiveness. If you're happy when they lose, you need to, you need to start praying for their, their betterment. I promise something's going to happen in your heart when you start to pray for blessing to be poured out on them. You know what's going to happen? It's going to be Jesus' nature. It's, it's going to be Jesus' bubbles that's released into your veins. That's choice before feeling. Often through prayer, with blessing, sorry, it can't just stop at prayer. You've got to be blessing. You've got to speak well of them and you've got to do good when you can. Speak well with blessing by good deeds. You need to think about, and sometimes there are some things that are not appropriate. I'm not talking about those things. What is appropriate? What's an appropriate way I can do good? You hearing me? What's an appropriate way I can express not what I feel, what Jesus feels towards them? <laughs> because that's what I'm stepping into today. And then, but how do you do all this? You've got to do our receiving, receiving forgiveness for your own, from God for your own stuff. Do you know where pride comes from? It's pride comes from thinking you need something I don't need. You know where humility comes from? If, if, if God left me now, I would be worse than you. You don't want to see me without God. It would take about a half a second <laughs> for, me, for me to be disgusting beyond belief. Are you with me? It's only by the grace and mercy of God that I can even pray a prayer and believe it's going to be heard by God. I didn't, I didn't bring anything into this relationship, Jesus. <laughs> you brought everything. So while receiving my unforgiveness from God, that keeps me submitted and it keeps me humble. Would you stand on your feet all around this room? Come on, Ben. Yeah, come on. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. It's a good word. We're going to have prayer teams available for you. Anybody who... Maybe you're walking out of forgiveness in your own life towards somebody else. Maybe you're having a struggle receiving God's forgiveness towards you. As a pastor, I've seen both of those. Some of us have a hard time forgiving because we just we can't allow God to forgive us. And the problem with that is you're still you are still basing his acceptance of you based on your performance. And he's accepted you not based on your performance, but based on Jesus' performance.
he's forever made his mind up about you and whether he's going to receive you or not. So our prayer is going to be available at the back. Uh, Ramp Church, they'll have a a lanyard on that says team. If you need any prayer, I just want to encourage you to do that. We're going to end the service with worship, but I I do want to pray over you before before we go. I actually think there are some of you in this room who maybe need a few days to unpack this message. Maybe you need a few weeks to unpack this message. But some of you in the room know right, you know right now who the person is. And I, I believe you can receive forgiveness today. That you can give forgiveness today. And I just want to invite you into that. You can leave today free. I've heard it, I've heard it said before. Maybe you've heard this. But Holding unforgiveness is drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. They're not affected by the the unforgiveness you're holding. But it's sure affecting you. And today, if that's you, if if you're in that place, the key to your freedom is to see them the way God sees them and to love them the way God loves them. So I just even wonder if, if... if even in this atmosphere, you just want to whisper their name, just as, just as a sign of faith. Some of you, you go, well, I'm not quite ready for that. That's okay. It will be. We just keep this before the Holy Spirit. But some of you are ready. You're ready. And this is the prayer. Heavenly Father, help me see, fill in the blank, you whisper, help me see the way you see them. Help me feel toward, fill in the blank, what you feel. Heavenly Father, help me see the way you see them. Help me feel toward what you feel. Thank you, Father, for the Spirit of God that's moving through this room. Yes, the power to release, to forgive, to let go, to invite the light into our hearts. And I thank you, Father, for fresh vision to see the people in our lives the way you see them. That you're even transforming the way we feel from the inside out. there are also people in here. If you're just praying, just stay in that space. I don't want to get you out of that. But there's, your heart today has been drawn towards the message of Jesus, maybe for the first time. Or maybe it's been a long, long time. I want to invite you into that, that story. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you want to, if you want to get to know him a bit more, I just want to know who I'm praying with. Just lift that hand. It's between me and you. Just lift that hand high so I can see you. Come on, yes, 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 yes. Three hands. Any, anybody else? Four hands. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. I see, I see, I see, I see. Yes. Very good. I want everybody, in the sound of my voice, I want to pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to forgive me 
of my sins. I believe that he came, that he died, that he rose again. And because of that, I don't have to live in my sin anymore. I receive the forgiveness that you give me and by your power, I give that forgiveness to others. In Jesus' name.